do you agree that you know it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility even for our ancestors that did not know any better been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation <laughs> Well, it's Wake Up With Casey. I'm Kimberly. And today I'm going to talk about, you know, events that and experiences that we sometimes experience and they come out of the blue. You, it's unexpected. But how do you get through it? How do you let go of the anger or creating a mindset of a victimized mindset? And how can you use it in a way as a positive thing to help you transform your life. Maybe it was stemmed from limited beliefs, mental programmings, and past childhood traumas that created itself and brought it into your present reality. And I have a special guest here, Blake Hill, who joins us to share his story. Welcome, Blake. Good morning. Aloha. Yeah, aloha. How are you this morning? I'm good. I am just reared up, ready to go, and to share with the audience of your story, which I find very fascinating. And I did uh, listen to your book and your introduction, and I was just like, at the beginning, I was like, wow, this is interesting. I like his voice, the sound of his voice. And then when you mentioned something that's in there, I just went, oh, like, that really happened? Oh my God, I want to know more. <laughs> and please share with the audience, you know, where you came from and, and, and your, your story of what happened and how, how did you overcome it? So there's two events that take place. And one being is nine years ago, I suffered a stroke and got myself through that. And then the second being I was married for 20 years with the same woman, 25 years, two kids. And just out of the blue, she gives me a hug and, and asked me for a divorce. And it really threw me for a loop. And it, and it, it I didn't say to myself, well, I need to really go deep within and find all these emotions. They just came out. And so that's, that, that's what took place for me was to figure out why I felt, why it hit me so hard. Why did I feel like such a failure, embarrassed, um, and then find the strength to really continue on and, and uh, tackle those emotions. Cause I really felt like I needed to do it to exemplify how to live for my kids. Cause one day they, they could be walking in my shoes. So that's where, that's really what drove me and it, it wasn't like an overnight thing. It, it, it took some time and um, it still takes time because that, that event took place four years ago and the book was just released uh, just a couple of months ago. So I, I think every day we deal with our, I, I love that you, you talked about history and it, and it hit me because I started thinking about what's history mean to me. And that was going back to past events that I've been storing within the history of my emotions and how to address them. 
Well, yeah. And then you look at society, our upbringing, and even religion has a part taken because this is what we're being told of how we should be, what we should do, and, and whatnot. And to me, it's like a false identity of who we truly are and that separates us. Plus, it sets us up for failure. Would you agree? I, I would agree. There is an analogy, I forget who gives it, who talks about telling the fish he could climb a tree and expecting him to climb the tree. Well, the fish doesn't climb a tree. He's going to go swim. So I, I think we kind of get grouped. It kind of starts and it really starts. It starts at home. And then you go to school and you might be the kid who's the outcast. You see things differently. Your interpretation is different. And you don't have a teacher to recognize that and embrace it and and help guide your true being. And so then you grow up thinking you, you have these limiting beliefs that are starting to be implanted in you and they're seeds. And then you become an adult and then you wonder, some people recognize, wow, I actually just think differently and it's better. It's good for me. I figured it out. Or there's people who go, I'm a failure. And they stay within that. Well, not only just a failure, but you're weird. You're, <laughs> you know, crazy or, and a lot of times it's just people have a different outlook, a different concept, a different perception. They're creative in their mindset. They think just differently. You know, their brain is wired differently. And to me, that's okay. I would love to see you, you know, know, your perspective on this, that, and the other. And looking back at history, like you said earlier, it's like I'm seeing a, a movie playing in my mind's eye from our the beginning of our origins, the beginning of the misconception of who we are. And then there came power, greed, control, manipulation, and just different time periods. Even, and, and it's like playing replaying itself in even in today's time period it's going to keep replaying itself and then until you address it and i think within doing that within anything that comes up repeatedly that becomes a negative within your life you have to find love because that's how we operate we either operate in fear or love so you have two modes. So which one do you choose? Well, if you choose love, now you have to get there. What's the path to get there? So we, we need to accept. And, and you may have some anger within there. There could be a whole host of emotions. But first you have to accept it. And then you have to forgive it. And then, right. you, have to then you have to love it. So would you agree, Blake, that we have a misconception about what love is. We're always looking outwards. And then what we're taught about love through our upbringing with our parents and whatnot, that could be more of a, a hindrance. But love is truly within us. We just need to tap in inwardly. Well, yes, of course. Uh, to, to break down love for me, I'll probably get some blowback on this, but I feel I, I went 
to Catholic school as a kid. And so that's my background. I, I do not practice Catholicism now. Um, so to me, God is love. That's the source of love. God, the universe, however you define that. But I, I would say the universe is love. So you're tapping in to the universe to for fulfillment. So in order to so that doesn't mean go out and buy a new car. That's a great feeling to get a new car or new house. It's a sense of of achievement. But the true sense is tapping the universe, feeling the love, that that power within you that that bubbles and percolates within you. So you feel whole and complete. And you you try to do that every day so that it becomes consistent. Right. And once you tap into it and connect to it, you just, it's like a aha or a self-discovery, self-realization that, wow, you start looking at life and people in a whole new way. Would that's that be your Yeah, that, that's your passion. What's your, you know, your, maybe that's your, your, that's your road or your adventure that you're looking for, self-discovery, whatever it might be. That just might be your purpose in life is to find love. Not love from another human being, but love for yourself. And do you think that's a, a big issue all around the world? It's they're just the misconception uh, I, and then their experiences that they're having it could be a possible mindset and a program that's actually getting in their way of discovering that. And it, it takes a life event or uh, a catastrophe of some sort to open that door for them to like, wait, hold up a second. I have this all wrong. All the above. <laughs> <laughs> that's all, all the above, right? Because you have, so, there's always limiting beliefs. Your parents could have planted limiting beliefs. You could have planted them upon yourself because you you couldn't figure something out as a kid and you told yourself, I can't do that. And maybe it wasn't your time at that moment to be able to accomplish what you were trying to accomplish. Maybe the right person hadn't stepped into your life. So it was forcing you to figure it out. Put it to the side. Wait a minute. And then the right person comes in, attracting that right person to help you, guide you. We all interweave and connect to help one another. That's that's our job as human beings. This is to help one another. But we've kind of become a society where we're sitting on our phones looking at, oh, my God, so-and-so got to go to Italy. Oh, look what they get to experience. And then you feel left out. Now you feel worse about yourself because you're like, well, I didn't save enough money to go there. How am I going to get to do that? So we're, so we're constantly, it's the comparison. You have to pull yourself out of that and make no comparisons. Live your life. Find your true meaning. Right. And then the, you know, the jealousy, the, uh, and the comparison it's yes, a program and, and a limited belief that you, you create on yourself. And, you know, we're taught not to judge, but everyone's judging, everyone's comparing. 
um, being jealous. And to me, that's an insecurity of that disconnection to that source that you mentioned earlier. And I have a mentor, Dr. Joe Dispenza, which I'm sure you're, you're aware of. Yes. And he said something interesting and it was, you do disconnect when you start judging, resisting and comparing. So change the way you think, the words you speak. So when I see somebody that, you know, went to Italy, I'm like, good for them. I look forward to the day I could go and experience that too. I just change the way I think. Right. Right. You look at that and you go, Hey, they're showing the way. Yeah. That might not be a place I want to go. They went somewhere I don't want to go, but that other place, that's awesome over there. And they, right. I, I didn't waste my time going to the other place. I get to go to the place, this other place. So. And plus the fact I get to see pictures. So I'm like, Oh, I look forward to going there when I can get there. Right. It's just not right now. Right. I tell my kids that look like if someone's bugging you, maybe you should look within and see what that what's coming up for you. And secondly, look at it from a different perspective. We don't always know what someone else is going through for one. Right. So look, give it a different perspective. The driver that cuts you off. We all get, you know, we all get like, you cut me off, you know, or whatever it might be. But maybe they, maybe they have a wife in the hospital. Maybe something else is going on. Maybe they just got fired from their job. So we, we, we all have everyday things that happen to us. But perspective is huge and looking at it from a different perspective and maybe having a little empathy, compassion. I think that's been lost. The only time there is compassion is when a major catastrophe or, you know, me living in Florida, it's like when a hurricane comes and there's damage, like we're just now going through the Surfside um, condo Correct. Uh, that collapsed. And, you know, it is very sad. And I do believe it was, you know, it could have been unavoidable, but it happened. Everyone is pitching in to help. Every That's when compassion starts. But why can't, why do we have to wait to a catastrophe to happen in order to show that? Why can't we show that each and every day? We live through our trauma. And sometimes the trauma brings out the best in us. Because we look deep within and that's when we start to connect. And unfortunately, taking that situation is you could connect in that and possibly you've lost a family member in a horrific way. So now you're connecting going, I, I got to do something to, to help. Mm -hmm. And so and it go, that, that is just the cycle of life. Well, not staying stuck in the past either because... Sometimes emotional energetic traumas keep carrying over and it's passed through generations and, you know, recognizing those patterns, recognizing those cycles. So you don't have to repeat them. You just, oh, yeah, that makes sense. This has been in my lineage. Well, now, how do I shift that? How do I heal that that really doesn't belong to me? My ancestors went through that, but I don't want to go through that. I don't want to live that kind of life or mentality or whatever. That was then. This is now. What can I do to transform myself to be the best expression and version of myself and live my best life now? Would you agree that? I, I would. And that's, that's when we become teachers by helping one another. 
We're, we're taking this past, past event within us, using it, but first we have to, to, to give it validity of, of, from love and then teach others how to get there as well. I think that's, I, I don't know your background, but it feels to me that's what you're doing with your show. You're taking some past trauma, some past experiences, bringing them forward. It took me a minute to get your play on Wake Up With KC because I don't talk to you before, you know, we discuss um, going on your show. I just see your logos. And then I got to do my research and then wake up with KC. Well, that's your way of saying it's time for consciousness to wake up. Yes. But at first you're thinking it's the play on wake up in the morning and, you know, with, with the sunrise. But I love that. Like, it's wake up. It's a new day. Yeah. You know, a, a new, new way day. of thinking, a new way of being. And I feel like a lot of, you know, the audience that listens and watches and even you know, like globally, it's like they're stuck in the past, even in the present, and they're not recognizing the signs that are there. I believe that we're spiritual beings, sexual beings inside of a human being. But we've been taught that we're separate from being spiritual, that we have to go through all these rules and regulations, even for our salvation. That's really a misconception in that. That's a whole nother topic to talk about. But then our sexuality and, our, and being a sexual being, there's a lot of guilt and shame and just like a like a bad taboo, if that's even correct to say, that keeps us separate. And but being spiritual and a sexual being inside of a human being is the grandest, biggest gift that was created for us all to experience. And I just feel like it's now time for me to speak up. And that's why I started. I went and did my, I became an investigator researcher on history. And like how I asked a question. And I started questioning everything. And that led my journey. And then I started the pond. Like, okay, it, I just felt led to do it now. Now's the time. And it you just happened to be during the pandemic. <laughs> so, Yeah, but you tapped your intuition. Yeah. That's what you did. You tapped your intuition to ask the questions to guide you. And there is truth in the, in the statement, even though I read the book, even though it's been plagiarized and there's copywritten material in there, but there's one, a couple of things that I recognize like, wow, you know, that's interesting. You know, asking you shall receive. Well, if you're in a pure intention of really wanting to know the truth, the truth is inside us. The thing to me is, Tap inside. Don't just go with everything that you've been taught to believe. And reading a book, go and discover how did this all happen? Why? What was the purpose for it? Why am I here? What's my purpose here? Would you agree that's like the beginning of, I guess, a spiritual awakening? And that's, that's the journey where things start to shift and change and then you discover things that you didn't think of before and it's just an ongoing learning thing 
when I think of spiritual, I think of that that's just living life. How do you want to live your life, though? Mm -hmm. So that's where it comes into play for me. So when did that happen for you, Blake? For trying to live a, a better life? Yes, your transformation. Uh, I think as a, well, as a kid, I knew I had this, uh, I knew I had a really deep sense of intuition and I could predict things quite well, but I'd always kind of stuff it because that wasn't a place and time that you could talk about it. I could with my mom some, but with my dad, no way. And so I'd always test it. And then my life as a kid wasn't, I had, I had good times, obviously, but there were some times in there that were pretty harsh. And, if, and a lot of the events in the book, they're, or actually all the childhood events are true. Um, so you kind of get a sense of what happened. I mean, I had moments where I, I, I think I was around kindergarten or first grade, I had to pull a knife on my dad at Christmas time to get him out of the kitchen because he was so messed up and he was going at my mom and I've had to pull a gun on him once to get him out of the house and just crazy events. So it wow. made me, as a kid, I knew this is not how I wanted to, if I were to have kids one day, this is not how I want to live. And then I don't want to live like this to begin with. So I started kind of having a vision, not knowing about visualizing, but having a vision. What did I, how did I want to live and where did I want to live and what, what was in me? And, you know, as a little kid, you're thinking, well, I, I want to live at the beach. I want to go to the ocean every day. But you don't know how to get there. You got to ask someone for a ride or you got to get. So. So that's where it really started. And then when you start to see things that you're visualizing come true. And you go, wow, I can actually do this. So you you stay on that path. And there's books along the way that I've read that really influenced me. And um, so, so I stayed within that realm and truly tried to keep all this information and, and a lot of things I go back and reread and reread and reread and create a practice. I meditate at least once a day, sometimes twice. I'm physical, have my physical activities. And then I take long hikes I try to surf every day and work out. So I try to stay pretty well-rounded, but I have days I don't want to get up, you know, but they're very few and far between, but you know, there's days you don't want to do things, but then you go, no, just put one, take one step. Just take one step. That's all you need. Cause if you looked at a big tall ladder and you said, I want to climb to the top of the building, you wouldn't put the rungs like, 10 feet apart, you'd put them tight. So you just go a little bit at a time. Right. And what were, can you share with us some of the books that you've read that helped you? I knew you'd ask me. <laughs> I wish I had a list. <laughs> I've read so many books. I'm a big Wayne Dyer fan. Um, I actually want, here's a little story. Um, I had come from California to Maui and I'd been surfing in California and the water was really dirty. And I got a, uh, 
a flesh-eating parasite under my skin. And I get here and this thing, I could feel it in the night. And I was trying to ignore it and make and think that it was going to go away. And I could hear it crunching. And I was like, okay, I got to take care of this. So I had a, and I'd heard Wayne do a, a, a speaking and he talked about his good friend O'Malley, who was a dermatologist. So I thought, I'll, I have a connection. <laughs> I'm going to call Wayne, which we've never talked. We've never met. But I was like, he, his dermatologist has got to be good, right? He's a friend of Wayne's. So I call him up, leave a message, and hey, it's Blake Hill. I have a flesh-eating parasite. Do you think he could help me out? And he called me back. I saved the message forever. You know, they had that deep voice. Hey, Blake, it's Wayne Dyer, you know, and um, which was great. And then, and he did. He helped me get a dermatologist so I could take care of this flesh-eating parasite. So um, other books, I, I've, you know, I've read so many, like Seven Spiritual Laws of Success comes up. I think everyone should read that once a year. A um, uh, lot of, I, in the beginning in college, I read Carl Jung a, a lot. Um, another book that comes up is like A Diet for a Small Planet. I, I think you have to find the 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 writer who resonates with you that you connect with that your that tie in with your beliefs and, and changing and your beliefs in the process of getting rid of the old programming and the beliefs and creating new and better ones that resonate more with you and helps you onto that next path that you're heading to especially when it comes to what kind of person do you want to be? Who do you want to become? What is it that you want to do? I think a lot of people are struggling though with that question right now. Like with the the changes that we've had in the last year and a half. Like, what do I want to do? I've had a moment here to to step back. I don't want to go work that job anymore. I want mm -hmm. to do something that fulfills me. So I think a lot of people are hitting that wall of how do I how do I change? And and one starts with creating new habits and two, maybe your purpose is right now in this moment is searching for your purpose. And that's not really what we want to hear. We want to read a book that says you should go be this, but, right. but you, you, you have to step back for a moment and allow yourself and figure out what works for you. A lot of times if I feel a little stuck, I, well, I will, I'll write, I'll write myself a letter. I ask questions before I go to bed to see if something comes to me in my dreams. I'll ask certain, you know, archangels for help or clearing some negativity. So you can keep allowing that flow because you have to stay in the flow. That's where you, that's where you're living. And the flow is love. It all goes back to love for me. You got to love everything. Yeah. That's what keeps the flow. I agree with you because it, uh, actually the feeling or the emotion, the frequency of experiencing love, it's from the in, inside out. I think it's that if I'm not, there's a, a frequency vibration and that's the highest one. Right. You get like elevated when you, can tap into that and the trick is and mastering the skill is to 
not just moment to moment, but how long can I be in this state of love, this state of being? And it, it does. It, you got to create a new habit. Uh, you know, some people experience it in meditation, but then what I've learned to do, and Dr. Joe Dispenza has shared that, is why not be that way when you're taking a shower, driving in your car, standing in line, be in that state. You you're can't, just that, that's where you look for you look for gratitude. When you talked about perception earlier, that's your gratitude. Okay, you're standing in a long line at the grocery store and you're like, this sucks. Or you're standing in a long line and you're grateful that you have the money to pay for your groceries or grateful to meet the guy behind you or the girl behind you. You know, you create a new conversation. Right. So, so gratitude plays a huge key in all this as well. Being grateful for everything. Not only that, but you never know when the opportunity is going to arise to your next thing. And I read a good book, The Celestine Prophecy. He talks about everybody is communicating, honestly, through energy. Some people suck that energy and, 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 and manipulate with it to control. And then others just come into your life because there's something that they say that was a message to you and vice versa. You have a message for that person to help them on their next, you know, wherever they're going, whatever next step is meant for them. And they have one for you too. So I've learned like, you never know, just be present, awake. And who knows, somebody might have something of value valuable information for you to help you along your path because you asked a question they'll show up like while you're waiting in line and they'll just right. say something and it'll, it will resonate within you like that's what it is okay and you're just so grateful that you were there at that moment to get that message true so i find this like so fascinating it's like increased even with my intuition because a lot of times when you think that, you know, when people experience intuition, they don't even recognize it is intuition. It's that spiritual connection with source and, and your, our souls that's trying to communicate with us. And we just toss it aside or someone says, ah, oh, no, you're crazy. That's not, you know, that's not real or, but it, it hangs on you and then it tries to present itself again. Would you agree that we do that a lot? We do. That's called Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, your, it, that's it, your distractor. Yep. It's a distractor. And then you got, you know, especially with our, our parents, our upbringing and even religion. I that's why I got out of it because it was just a conflicting with what I felt inside. And I think it just led to me opening up and realizing what I now, now know today. And I still ask questions. I still want to learn. It's like I became the student and the universe and the source became my teacher. That's And that's every day it's like, okay, what am I going to learn today? That's what we're here. We're all bouncing energy off each other.
Oh, yes. And I love it. And I just look at the world in a different way. And you mentioned about um, Dr. Wayne Dreyer. I listen to him every morning. And it's a video from an audio clip. And he says something really profound at the end of it. He goes, you can choose to be a host to God or a hostage to your ego. It's your call. It's true. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I loved him. He just has a way of, you know, sharing things and talking and communicating. And I, I just found it so, like, there's, in every message that I've heard from him so far, it so resonated with, deep within me. He's got that voice, like, he's the perfect he he's the perfect dad to give you advice. Like he's the dad to everybody. Yes. Like this, this is going to sit you down and go, here's, here's how you do it. I'm gonna give you a little tip, you know? So yeah, I've, I've definitely, I love all his, all of his work and it's good to see his kids continuing it on. Yes, it is. And I have to honestly uh, say that, you know, listening to your audio book, you have a, a similar pitch, tone, frequency when you speak. And it's very soothing. And it makes me, it, I feel like I want to listen to more. Just listen That's to awesome. his voice. So I have to say, but it's very, and it's attractive too. Thank so you. So saying that. But where did Westphalia come out in, in, in your book title? So the summer, the summer that my wife um, asked me for a divorce, I, every year I do, uh, I either do a motorcycle ride. Usually it's always a motorcycle ride. And then my riding partner, we've ridden all over, we've ridden all over, like all over the country. We've ridden in harshest conditions from blizzards to tornadoes and everything else and cross the Arctic circle. And one time we were riding through Alaska and we kept seeing bicycles. And so we both, we were camping and we were like, maybe we should do bicycles one year. So that same summer that my wife asked me for a divorce, that's the summer we chose to ride bicycles across parts of Canada. So we were in Banff in, in um, Canada and I was, it was cold and a little bit rainy, but it was summertime and I didn't have the clothing. We're just, we're on bicycles. We're not carrying like extra heavy clothes or anything. So I'm freezing my ass off and I go get a cup of coffee. And then next door was a bookstore and Canada was celebrating their centennial. And then they had this really cool display with this Westphalia van with all this crap stacked on top of it. And I was like, that'd make a really cool book cover. And then, and it kind of piqued my interest because of the fact in the book, I describe just throwing all my shit in the van and loading up, which is similar to what happened when my wife asked me to leave and load our kids up. I th threw everything in the car and I, and at that time I had a bicycle with me and we had surfboards and all the stuff. And I, that's what, you know, like I just stuffed it. So 
that van being stuffed with all this crap reminded me of that. And it was a Westphalia van. And then that day I was riding from Bamp to Jasper and it's about 120 miles, I believe. And you have about 10,000 foot mountain you have to climb. And my riding partner that day decided he didn't want to ride. So I was doing it alone. A 10,000 foot climb is a, that's a, that's enough in itself. And then you throw in another 120 miles. So I had a lot of time to think. And that book, Westphalia, just kept coming to mind. And I went, ooh, I, I think I'm going to write a book about this whole experience. But because I started to realize I got a lot of emotions coming up about all this. And so that's where it came about. Like I'm climbing this, climbing this mountain and doing like two miles per hour or whatever the, you know, just climbing up this mountain and listening to music and, and I'm seeing that van and I went, all right, I'm going to name this character West. His last name can be Falia, whatever West Falia is actually a town in Germany. And, um, and that's where it all came to play. But, um, I, I didn't have a full breakdown yet. It was just, I, I will write a book. I will write about the emotions that I'm going to experience, but I don't want it to be just about that. I got to make it adventurous. I got to bring in all these other things that I like to do. And, and that's where it all started. And the great part about it is when I started writing the book, this character, Charlie popped into my head and he, I realized he was my guide. He was my coincidental guide that stepped into play and he's kind of a hard ass, but he does it with love. And he's like, if you need help, I'm here. And if you don't take it, I'm gone. And so he would, he would, he stepped in and he was like, uh, part of, he's this character that I developed, but not really. I think God just gave him to me to give me a source to help me get through the book and have someone to talk to as I was writing the book. Wow. Then, it's like almost like a spiritual guide. He, that's exactly what he is. He's a spiritual guide. And he rides this, in the book, he rides this old motorcycle that looks like a, you know, it's got a sidecar. So Wes, when he needs to help, Wes rides in the sidecar and they talk and the sidecar can go forever. It's powered by the energy of the universe. Oh, wow. Yeah. I look forward to that. Purchasing your book. I, I'm fascinated and intrigued and curious. Yeah. And I love that you put uh, in the book, punched in the gut by life, West is forced to face his past, present, and future. So you've overcome the divorce. You went through realizing a lot, dealing with your emotions, and then dealing with your stroke. What did you realize you know, going through your stroke and having the rehabilitation and, and, and getting back to a, a new normalcy for your life. The stroke made me reinvent myself. And because uh, at the time period, I was really, I stay fit to begin with, but I was, I was extremely fit. And I think at the time I was 47 yeah, I was 47 years old. Uh, just to go, wow, I'm I'm young. I'm in the back of this ambulance. 
and from my side of the island to the hospital is about an hour so you have some time to really reflect as you're riding in this thing just listening to an engine rev up and down and it it i truly made that in that moment not knowing what was going to happen because i couldn't talk and i'm strapped in was when i started asking archangels for help and never once did i think that i wasn't gonna heal myself like i i was there to start healing in that moment and um, i was pretty fortunate because things came back pretty quickly except for my memory i was unable to write and i'm also a photographer i was unable to shoot because i just couldn't remember how to like i would know i would need to do my settings on my camera and then i didn't wouldn't change anything because i couldn't keep up like i was completely lost i'd go to write something and i'd i would have a thought my pen's at the paper couldn't get it down it just it would all go away so it took a long time to train and just accept like this is the way it is now it doesn't mean it's going to be the way it is forever and i stayed within that and i just learned how to adapt and sticky notes were huge for me i put sticky notes everywhere and that really helped keep my day in alignment yeah i agree with you <laughs> so, i have sticky uh, notes too <laughs> And now when I forget things, I just go, oh, you know, I had a stroke nine years ago. <laughs> I use that as an excuse. So it's a convenient well, one. Yeah. And I always tell my girls, and even when I'm experiencing things, it's like, you know what? This is only temporary. It's not permanent. So let's just make the best of it. It's hard, though, when those emotions are really weighing on you hard. And you're trying to, it's like you're drowning and you're trying to get to the surface, but you don't know which way the surface is. So I I have a lot of empathy for people who and compassion that, you know, you it's sometimes easier said than done. You gotta find that one little small morsel to focus on, which then cre can create that ripple effect to get you out and and just know that you can keep creating those to get to turn you around. Yes, a little uh, like a spark of hope. Hold on to that vision because there were visionaries in our past that, you know, tried a thousand times and it was the thousand and one that did it. Right. That was their breakthrough. So it's like never give up, you know, just look at failures are not really failures. It just, how you went about it this time, it didn't work out. So try something different. Look at it in a diff different perspective. Uh, and I and I recognize that now. It's like, really didn't do anything wrong. It's just you tried something, it didn't work out. So let's try something different. How many years did it take you to get to that mindset? Oh my gosh, <laughs> until I was 40. Did so, I know why? No, you Going wish you had divorce. Yeah. No, you wish you had that wisdom, like when you're like, you know. 14, 15. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And the thing about it is, is I was taught, looked for the outer person that's in control. That is, you know, you got to go to this person. You got to pray to God. You know, you got to ask Jesus and all this other stuff. And 
to me, I was like, well, if I'm the creator of my own destiny and I create my reality, then I'm the one that's in control. And it's based on how I think and how I feel and my actions and what I do. I believe I read a certain book that sort of said the similar thing, but it's been misconstrued and there's a misconception to that truth. Once I realized that, no, I'm, I'm the one in, in control. I'm the one that has the power. I'm the creator of my own destiny and the captain to my own soul. Oprah Winfrey read a book and, and states that. And she put that into her own mant mantra. I was like, wow, that's fascinating. I'm the master of my destiny and the captain of my own soul. Hmm. Well, I don't like this experience and I don't like where this is going. So how do I change that? That's when I seek the intuitive advice, you know, with the, the angels, my spirit guides and whatnot. I'm like, okay, I, I'm now I'm recognizing the signs. This is not quite you know, what I wasn't expecting and mm, this isn't going so well. So how can I change that? Is there something deep within me or is it something else? Ask a question, question everything. Do you think that it's safe to say, Blake, that it's almost, you know, our, part of our journey in life is discovering it? That is our journey. Ask the question. If you've never asked a question to receive guidance from the universe, try it. See what you see what see what the answer becomes. Right. And would you agree that most of us have accepted other people's thoughts and beliefs and took it upon themselves? And that's why there's a, a conflict and unnecessary suffering going on? Because it's somebody else's belief, but you're trying to put it onto yourself and take it on as yours, but it doesn't resonate with you. And that's why there's the confusion, a false identity as well. That's what, yeah, exactly. It's the conflict of disbelief. Because it doesn't resonate with what deep within you. And that's what why a lot of us you? struggle. You know, what feels good? Do what feels good. Not in the moment. It's a sustaining good. People will be like, oh, well, it feels good to drink a 12-pack of beer you know, for the moment, for about maybe one or two. But it's not going to serve you any purpose. What feels good in your life? Does it feel good to help someone cross the road, load their groceries? Does it feel good to go meditate? What feels good? Does it feel good to sit down and write? Feel good to be a teacher? What is that? Invent something? There's a whole host of things. So what feels good? That can benefit and help others make a difference and an impact. True. Oh, so true. I am so happy, humbled, and truly grateful for this moment with you, Blake. Thank you so much for joining us today. How can people get access to your book, Westphalia? You I'll get I'll send you uh I'll send you all the links and you can go, you know, post those in your show notes. And if people want to go to buy by buyblakehill.com, you can get all the information there. 
I'll put it on. It'll be. It's on the description for the show. Perfect. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today. And I wish you the best of success and more wonderful experiences in Hawaii and wherever else you go. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I wish you all the success. So keep doing what you're doing. You you followed your passion, you followed your intuition, and now you're doing it. And you did it in a time period that probably didn't feel that great. Like there was a lot going on, but you followed through. So that's amazing. So keep doing it. Keep rocking. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Well, there that was Blake Hill. Make sure you go check out his book, Westphalia. It's in the description below. And stay tuned. I have more exciting guests and inspiring guests joining us right here on Wake Up With Casey. Do you agree that, you know, it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility, even for our ancestors that did not know any better? I've been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation. <laughs>